Let's open our Bibles to Amos chapter 5. We're going to pick it up where we left off. The uh, message for last week was called Seek Me and Live. That's what the Lord said, seek Him, seek the Lord and live, that really uh, He is our only hope. And, and uh, we went, kind of went through every section of the, of the Old and the New Testament and, and saw that throughout there, the message is to seek His face, to seek after Him that our lives would be pointed towards Him. And that's where we find life. That's where we find real life. Seek me and live, He said. To seek Him with all of our heart and with all of our soul. And He says we will find Him. It says that He's not far from, from each one of us. He's right there. If we would only reach out for Him, only seek and turn towards Him, if we would only focus on Him, Today, I want to uh, finish chapter 5 and look at chapter 6 as well, but I have a question for you. Who did you think about first when you woke up this morning? Me? Was it me? Who was it? You? Was it you? Isn't that the way it is? The first person you think about when you wake up in the morning is you. And I wasn't thinking about you. I was thinking about me when you wake up. Oh, I didn't sleep long enough. Oh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm still tired. Oh, I got to get up and I got to go look in the mirror. The first thing you do, go look in the mirror and and who do you see? See me. I want to see how I look. When someone shows you a photograph, right? And you just happen to be there. Who do you look for in that picture? Me. Yeah, you look for yourself. See, the, he he said in chapter uh, chapter four that you know that he wanted us to return to him and and, the, and and that to seek his face to seek he said seek him and live. But what keeps us really away from doing that is really it's, it's our own self. It's our own self-centeredness. It's all about me. I don't know if you've heard that phrase before. It's a pretty common phrase. It's all about me. And people don't even laugh about it anymore because they say, yeah, right. It's all about me. It used to be like it was a joke. It's all about me. <laughs> but now it's like, it's all about me. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what life is, isn't it? It's all about me. It's all about me, myself, and I. It's all about the, you know, that's what counts. That's what matters, me. It's the me generation that we live in. As long as we can take care of numero uno. As long as I can take care of me, that's all that matters, right? There was, you know, the the magazine industry kind of follows along with the culture, and they, you know, they had Life magazine, right? It was all about life. They had other magazines, but, you know, we're going. And then we had People magazine, right? And it was all about people. And then it, then they came out with Us magazine. It's all about us. And then what they come out with? Self. self magazine. It's all about self. And you know there, there actually is. I had to look for this, but there actually is a magazine called Me magazine. And then there's. I found another one that said Just Me magazine. It's all about me. That's where 
where we are. And you see, it infects this whole thing, infects every part of our lives. It's not new, though. You know, it, all, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. It goes back to the Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man, where, where Satan says, listen, you need to have it all about you. You know, if you go ahead and do this, then, you know, you're going to be like God and you're going to be able to know all this stuff and you're going to be able to, it's, you know, it's really you need to focus on you. It's nothing new. But it, affect, it infects every part of our lives and every part of our thinking and, and um, it taints even the very best things. And that's what we're going to see in the passage today. It taints the best things when this, this focus on us, it, it kind of ruins things. And the first one that, that, it, that I want to look at this morning is the day of the Lord. Because of our self, selfishness. Let's look at chapter 5, verse 18 through 20. He says, Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness, not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion only to meet a bear as though he entered his house and rested his hand on the wall only to have a snake bite him. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light? Pitch dark without a ray of brightness? You say, well, what, what, do you, what do you mean? What does that got to do with me? Well, if you see, he says, why do you long for the day of the Lord? Why do I want the day of the Lord to come? So that I can be taken care of. But what is he, what is he pointing out here? He's saying that, that there's a positive and there's a negative side. And we see that in Malachi, it talks about it. The prophet said, you know, the Lord, the Lord says, I'll send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. You see, there's like two sides to it. It's great. It's awesome. It's incredible. But it's also dreadful. And it's great and awesome for who? For me as a believer, Right? For me, it's good for me, but it's not so good for everybody else. It's not so good for the people around us. So as long as I'm all set, as long as, long as I'm good, then, then I can just kick back and I, I don't have to really worry about anybody else. There's no urgency. There's no staying busy because, you know, I'm good. I got, you know, we used to say it way back, uh, I got my fire insurance. I'm all set. Uh, you know, I'm going to make, I'm going to get, you know, get there. But what about everybody else? He says, it's, why do you long for it? Why do you think about it? Why do you say, you know, come quickly, Lord Jesus, which is what we are taught to do in the book of Revelation, right? But he says, don't you think about everything else? He said, it's, it's going to be a day of darkness for many, many, many people around us. Say, well, you, you've been kind of talking about this souls thing. Pray for souls. You know, I think we need to open our eyes and think about the world around us. There are souls all around us that are not going to be happy when the day of the Lord comes. It's going to be darkness. There is a positive side to it. Yes, I look forward to it, and I, you know, I want the Lord to come, but also think about you know, what is going to happen to those family members. What is going to happen to those neighbors around us? You know, for us, who are believers, it's a great, it's awesome. The Lord's returning. He's going to make everything new. He's going to make everything right. We're going to be with Him face to face for eternity. So much good, so much good. But good for who? Good for me. But not good for all. For those that haven't received Him, one 
man says it's going to be darkness, it's going to be isolation, it's going to be inescapable, it's going to be utter hopelessness for those that are not believers, who have not uh, turned to the Lord Jesus Christ for, for, for hope for beyond this life. Notice this, again, this guy, this simple guy, Amos, he, 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 he's really kind of poetic. He says it in verse 19, it's, it'll be as though a man fled from a lion only to meet a bear. You're going to get away from a lion, but it's going to get worse. You thought this world was bad. You know, they, they make jokes about it, you know, but this world is nothing like what is going to come. This world is not always nice. It's, it's out of the frying pan and into the fire. Peter talks about it, doesn't he? Let's turn back to Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3, because he, he talks about this whole issue as well. But he talks about both sides of it as well. And I think we need to, to understand that 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, there's more verses before this as well, but, and after it as well. But let's just look at verse 7. And following, he says, By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. That's the negative side of it, isn't it? But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promises. Some understand slowness. He is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The good part of this is what Peter is saying is that Lord is, the Lord is taking His time because He wants more people to receive Him, to believe in Him, to follow Him, to, to uh, not perish. Verse 10, he says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. And since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. It's good to look forward to it. It's good to, to live for Him so that we would actually speed its coming. But to keep in mind, and He says later, we're looking forward to a new heavens and a new earth, but, but what, what about the rest? What about the rest of the people? You see, one of the things about the nation of, of Israel and, and those that Amos was, uh, was speaking to was that they thought they were good. Listen, I, you know, we're, we're you know, of the nation of Israel. We are God's chosen people. We are all set. We are good. They didn't really care much about the people around them. As a matter of fact, if you read, we're going to get to the book of Jonah at some point in time, but Jonah... Jonah was called to go and speak to the people of Nineveh, who were not Israel, you know, they're not from Israel, right? They were actually Israel's enemies, and God said, go and speak to Nineveh. He says, because I'm going to bring judgment on them. And, and, and Jonah, what did he do? He went the other way. Why? Because, because he was afraid that the people of Nineveh would, actually, Nineveh would actually repent and turn to him, turn to God. He was afraid of that, and he did not want them. He did not want them to be saved. Sure enough, when he finally, you know, the whole story, and he finally went to Nineveh, and that's exactly what happened. And he says, listen, this is what I was afraid was going to happen. He's got this huge attitude. He didn't care about those people around him. They were their enemies. 
But God said, I care about them. I care about them. And, and you know, this, this is kind of what he's saying here. You, you long for the day of the Lord, but, you know, hey, you're not getting the whole picture here. And I think for, for you and I as well, I, we long for the day of the Lord, but we, we need to have the whole picture in mind too. And I think it should motivate us to think about the people around us that there's more than just me. There's more in this life than just me. As a matter of fact, we're not going to look at these verses, but as a matter of fact, uh, Paul says that in 2 Corinthians 5 that we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, even believers. We're not to be judged for our sin, but for how we lived our lives. What did we do with what we had? Jack talked about the gifts and the talents that we have been given to us. Have we used them? Have we done anything? Are we involved in any sort of way in, in, in the kingdom of God and trying to expand the kingdom, trying to, to spread the kingdom of God in this world that is so dark? And, you know, we, we look around and we say, and I think about this sometimes, I think, you know, it, it is so foreign to tell people about Jesus Christ, it's like you, you, they don't have a clue. Like, what are you talking about? You talk about, you, you think of the word gospel. You think of the word grace. You think of the word being uh, 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 in the family of God. And you go, like, how can I even begin to explain that to somebody? Because it's such a foreign concept. Didn't used to be that way. Didn't used to be that way in our country, I'm afraid to say. But that's what God's called us to do. So I think, you know, to, to, to be simple about it, I think what God wants us to do is like the woman at the well, go and just share your life. Like, what has he done for you? Listen, I'm, I'm just a, I'm just a, a sinner. I'm a, I'm a human being, but, you know, God is in my life, and he's, like, he's changed me. He's changed me. He's, he's given me hope for a future, and He's given me hope for eternal life that I never had before. He's given me a future that, and a hope that I didn't have before I, before I surrendered my life to Him. Because before that, it was all me. We're going to stand before Him, and, and, and He's going to say, well, okay, you, you're, you are in. 1 Corinthians 3 talks about as well. What are you building on the foundation? The foundation is Jesus Christ and Him alone. But what are you building upon it? And he says that day, speaking about the day of the Lord, that day is going to test everything that we've done. And he says if it's just like wood, hay, and stubble, and straw, it's going to burn up and you got nothing. You'll be there. Yeah, you got your fire insurance, but, but you got nothing to show for it when you get there. I don't want to be like that. But what keeps us from doing anything? It's the me thing. It's the lazy thing. It's the what do I want? What, what can I get? What can I, 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 me, me, me? It's not time to kick back, I'm afraid to say. The day of the Lord is coming. And I, and I, think, I think we need to be like, instead of, yes, it's coming, it's soon, it's almost here. It's like, Lord, it's almost here. We need to let somebody know. That this is coming, and it's not going to be good for you if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's as simple as it is. How do you put that into practice? Well, begin to pray. Begin to pray. And, I, and I've been saying this for the last few, week, last few weeks. You need to pray. Pray for somebody. Pray for souls. Pray for somebody. Take, pick one or two or three people and pray for them every single day, and you will see something happen. 
That's, it's, it's promises that are found in God's Word that show us this way. We live in a pretty scary world, don't we? It's, it, it, and Jim talked about it, that our world's going down some paths, and, and, and it, it's just absolutely scary. People, the stuff that are people doing, you saw it in the news this weekend, this guy in Santa Barbara. Well, there's a connection for me in that I, I went to school there at UC Santa Barbara, and I lived in Isla Vista in that, in that little community. It's a little community that is like attached pretty much to uh, the college, UC Santa Barbara. And back then, I hate to say it was 40 years ago. I hate to say that. It was a while back. It was 1974, somewhere around 74, 75. 74, 75, 76, I was there. And, you know, it was all about peace and love and long hair and, and drugs and stuff like that and, 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 you know, party, party, and all the rest of it. And I think it's a lot, you know, a lot of it is the, still the same. There's, there's a lot of people there that, that don't know. And then, but then it gets down to the in, individual. And who was this guy consumed with? In the end, when you read his, some of his statements, who was he consumed with? Himself. Absolutely consumed with himself. The day of the Lord. The second good thing that, that gets tainted by this me focus, and, and I almost hesitate to even go there because it, 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 it's really, it's about us. It's about our worship. It's about our church life. Not just us here, but the church life in, in a whole. Look at verses 21 and, and following. He says, I hate. This is God speaking now. I hate, I despise your religious feasts. I cannot stand your assemblies, even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings. I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I'll have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. That's kind of scary. He says, you know, the, 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 the stuff you do, and this is, isn't that all the stuff that we do? We give it different names. We, instead of feasts, and we have potlucks. You know, instead of assemblies, we have meetings. Offerings, we have our offerings that we give. One commentator said this. He says, it's religious activity, but without heart reality. Religious activity without heart reality. And, and the Lord's got some pretty strong words about this, doesn't he? He said, you know, he hates. He despises. He cannot stand. He, he will not accept. He has no regard for it. will not listen. How did that happen? Well, I, I, what, I, what I want to say is that it's this me-centered worship. It's what I like. It's, what, it's all about me. It, it's what makes me happy. It, it, you know, uh, how many times have you heard it? Well, you know, I, I need you to meet my needs. It's all about me. It's not, it's not all about him. True worship uh, that, that Jesus talked about, he says, true worship is those who worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks to worship him from the very depths of who we are and in the truth of who he is 
as declared in his word. Our hearts are just not in it. We, we, in verse 26, he says, You've lifted up the shrine of your king, the pedestal of your God, of your idols, the star of your God, which you made for yourselves. See, they, they, they came up with their own. They devised their own. They made their own gods. And that's what we have done. I'm afraid that it's creeped into the church as well, where it's all about me. It's all about what I want. Oh, I'm, I'm just not getting this. I'm not getting that. Well, what are you giving? And, and, and are you worshiping the Creator? Are you worshiping what you want and what, what I want and what I think and what I, I, me, me? True worship. He said, seek me, he says, and live. I think what it's become, though, is... is We're not seeking him, we're seeking us. I'm not seeking him, I'm seeking me. I'm seeking myself. You say, well, that sounds kind of weird. Yeah, but that's what it is. That's what the focus becomes. Seek his face. Where justice is and righteousness is like a never-failing stream with a heart after God. Even in the church. The third thing is found in chapter 6, verse 1. He says says this in verse 1. He says, Woe to you who are complacent in Zion, and to you who feel secure in Mount Samaria, you notable men of the foremost nation to whom the people of Israel come. Jump down to verse 4. He says, You lie on beds inlaid with ivory and lounge on couches. You dine on choice lambs and fattened calves. You strum away on your harps like David. Improvise on musical instruments. You drink wine by the bowlful and use the finest lotions. But you do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. Therefore, you will be the first among the first to go into exile. Your feasting and your lounging will end. You see, they were... They were complacent. They were at ease. They were self-indulgent. They were self-absorbed. It's really all about me and what I want and what would make me comfortable and what would make me happy. But he says it in the bottom of verse 6, but you do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. You have no concern. You have no concern for the ruin of death. And the ruin of Joseph, that means their, their own people. You don't care that, that Joseph is, is, is going down this horrible path. No grieving, no caring for others. I've got to care about me. I've got to take care of me. Paul says in 2 Timothy, he says that there will be terrible times in the last days. And what is the first thing that he say, uh, says there? People will be lovers of themselves. That's the first thing that he mentions. And he goes through a whole list there. Later on, he says, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power have nothing to do with them. Lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And, And this form of godliness, it's like fake. Oh, I love God, but what I really care about is myself. What I really care about is pleasure. What I really care about is that I'm comfortable, that my, all my needs are met, but, and forget about everybody else around me. 
say, Amos, that's kind of a rough message. And we've looked at who Amos was. He was just a guy who, you know, he took care of animals and plants. But God gave him this message to say, listen, and I, and I, and I think there's application to us as, a, as, as individuals, but also us as a country that, you know, we've, we've gotten so far away. We're, we're so involved in, in what makes me happy, the whole entertainment industry, the whole, you know, it's, it's all about what will make me happy, what will take care of my needs. Back in Genesis chapter 4, the Lord said to Cain, Where's your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord was saying, Yes, you are. You need to think about somebody besides yourself. Who was Cain thinking about? He was thinking about himself. And he got himself into that mess. You drink wine by the bowlful. You don't use cups. You're just going to pour it in a big bowl. Like, I'm going to get as much as I can. Use the finest lotions. I've got to have the best for my complexion. But you do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. And lastly, verse 8. Chapter 6, he says, The sovereign Lord has sworn by himself, the Lord God Almighty declares, I abhor the pride of Jacob and detest his fortresses. I will deliver up the city and everything in it. Jump down to verse 12. He says, Do horses run on the rocky crags? Does one plow there with oxen? But you have turned justice into poison and the, fr and the fruit of righteousness into bitterness you who rejoice in the conquest of Lodibar and say, did we not take Carnaim by our own strength? He says, pride, pride. That's really the heart of me, isn't it? Pride. Pride is like, I think, the most, uh, the deepest sin, if I can use that word. And I think if you think about the word pride in the very center of the word pride is I. In the very center of the word sin is, it's, it's thinking about me. There was this arrogance, again, about the, the people of Israel that, you know, look what I've done. Look, what's, look what I have been able to accomplish. He says the arrogance that they had. Didn't we do that by our own strength? Didn't look at see. Think of King Nebuchadnezzar, you know, he walk, he's walking out on his, the grounds of his palace area and he, he sees it all, look what I've done, incredible. God said, oh really? Well now look where you're going to be, you're going to be out in a field like an animal, you know, eating, you know, grass and, and stuff like that until you finally realize, and he finally realized, he looked up and said, you know, it's all come from you. God opposes the proud, Peter said, but gives grace to the humble. He said, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. You see, the, the, the message that, that really is for, for all of us is that it's not all about me. It's all about him. And, and seek me and live is what he said, to seek him, not to seek ourselves. 
What is it all about? I, I want you to turn with me, with me to Matthew chapter 22, and we'll close there. It really sums it all up. How do you sum all this up? What is the most important thing? How does it come together? What's the greatest commandment? Matthew chapter 22, and we will finish there. Matthew 22 and verse 34. <clears throat> it says, hearing... <clears throat> that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, and one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? What, 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 is it, what brings it all together? What makes it the very heart of it? He says in verse 37, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and the prophet hang on these two commandments. He says, if you can do, if you can do this, you're, you're going to be all right. Love God. And love your neighbor as yourself. It, it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible, love yourself. You know, I've heard that whole line of reasoning. It doesn't say that anywhere. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, love your neighbor as you already love yourself. We don't have to be taught. And you say, well, I have such a negative opinion of myself. Yeah, but it's still self-love. It's a negative self-love, but it's still self-love. It's still thinking about me and how I feel and what I want and, and how come I'm not like this. Again, this guy that did this thing in Santa Barbara, that's all, that, that it was all about him, what he wanted, what he thought that he should have in, relations, in relationships and, and all the rest of it. He says, love the Lord your God. It's all about love, but it's all about loving him first and then loving the people around us. We're going to fight. The truth is we're going to fight against this our whole lives while we're in this body. We are going to fight against this. But we have to give it a fight. We have to, we have to give it a, you know, the old college try, right? Where we're going we're gonna to fight against where my whole world is me. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on the Lord. And, I'm gonna, and then I'm going to try to think about somebody else around me and, and do something for them. Get involved some way, somehow, in the kingdom of God. The day of the Lord is coming, and... And, and it should be a challenge to live and to serve and to do, to occupy, it says, until he comes. But none of that is going to happen. None of this is going to be right if it's just me, if all I'm thinking about is me. Let's pray together, shall we?